Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. As we say, love does make the world go round, doesn't it? Um, without love, uh, we couldn't survive in our families. It's love that gets an infant into an adult. And it's love that helps us care for uh, people who are ill or need help in any way. It's love and compassion that gets anything done when you look at it. Particularly today, you notice these first responders, whether they're delivering your mail or your food or working in hospitals, without love and compassion, um, they could not show up every day in these circumstances. So love does make the world go round. And um, we all want a taste, we crave a taste of deep love, of unconditional love. We all want to be seen, known, heard, for who we are intrinsically, not for what we do, but for absolutely who we are. It's a deep craving of the heart. And in Buddhism, we cultivate unconditional love for ourselves, for everyone. The Buddha talked about um, loving all beings with a boundless heart. And he really believed that the heart had no boundaries, it was boundless, it was rich and full and could uh, reach out across the universe to every being and that we could train our minds and our hearts to live in a boundless love, a boundless unconditional love. Not the easiest thing, you noticed. So we do that through the Brahma Viharas, through the practices of loving kindness, through compassion, um, through dropping this little self. And the line that I contemplate all the time is this boundless heart is bigger than my neurosis, my obsessions, my grievances. It's bigger. It's bigger. It's wider. And yet we find ourselves in these times, and as a uh, telehealth therapist right now, I drop into homes <laughs> and families. I drop into living rooms. Um, and I hear how difficult relationships are in these times. They've always been difficult, right? But even now, um, coming and just dropping in to these um, conflicts, these, these ways in which I know that we do hold each other in boundless love, in unconditional love, don't we? You think about your family members, your extended family, your neighbors, your town, your country, and there's a part of us that cares deeply for the well-being of others, and we don't want others to suffer. We have a boundless, unconditional love, but very often... Um, this gets blocked by the difficulty in relationship. There is no perfect relationship. 
right? It's an imperfect relationship. There's a boundless, unconditional love and lots of imperfect relationships irritating us all the time. So this is our challenge. Um, I, a few notable relationship moments that I've met this week, and maybe you can share a few of yours, is I've had a few families where I've dropped in and the teens are fighting about their finals and midterm and their homework assignments, screaming, screeching, yelling, moms and dad are struggling. Um, let's see if I can remember a few others. Roommates who are um, sheltering in place together where you're constantly negotiating who's going out, where you're going, social distancing, cleanliness, rules of the house. It's so easy to be upset. Um, the elders, where families are um, struggling with who can visit and how close and how much, right? Even um, walking outdoors, who's wearing a mask, who's social distancing, who doesn't want to. And workplaces, a uh, couple of people have been sharing how um, not everyone in the office that they have to go to wants to wear a mask. Not everyone um, respects social distancing. Not everyone believes that this virus is as um, deadly as it is, right? So we have a lot of opportunity to work with imperfect relationships in our practice. There's a lot of imperfect relationships. Uh, even, you know, living alone without having relationships in your personal space. Um, if you hear my dog, I apologize. Imperfect relationship. <laughs> so, can you hear him? You can, okay. All right. So, so yes, another imperfect relationship. Dogs aren't supposed to bark in Dharma talks, right? Or through meditations. Um, but even if you live alone, it's uh, who you're reaching out to, your neighbors, um, if you're visiting, not visiting. Uh, it's just constant. You even have a difficult relationship I do with the Instacart people who are delivering some groceries, right? Um, it's always there. So, um, so we're working with um, this idea of the gap between a relative love that we experience based on whether we like the way we're being treated or not being treated to an absolute love, the kind that the Buddha teaches, which many of us are thinking right now, well, that's for the gurus and the enlightened ones, right? Um, but we are the gurus and the enlightened ones, and this time calls for as much love and compassion as anyone can give. Love needs to be like a river right now, pouring over um, the suffering that's going on. So, um, so we, where are we in that conditional love? right? Where are we in that conditional love? And what keeps us stuck in, I like you, I don't like you, you irritated me, you didn't irritate me. And when I use stuck, the Buddha would use the word cling. 
we're in our minds because we look for threat, most of us, we cling to the grievances. We cling to when we're hurt or someone's hurt our feelings or someone isn't doing it right or someone's threatening us. The mind tends to really hover and cling. And when we cling like that, we contract. And you can just become your grievance. Some of you may have had the experience, I know um, Joel and I have, of um, having a heated argument over where we place the olive oil. <laughs> you know, something very petty, right? And all of a sudden, it's life and death. The olive oil should be in the cabinet. No, it should be by the stove, right? Like, really? But minds are funny like that. We snap. We get irritable. Uh, and we, um, that irritability can go global. So many of us in our relationships, we build grievances and we hold them. And we then tell a story and live there. Um, and the more we do that, it's like more clouds in the sky. You can't see the sun. And you can hear those grievances. He doesn't get me. He doesn't listen. You know, she doesn't respect me. She doesn't hear my needs. Um, she doesn't do her share. They don't do their share. Um, so many people who are living with others People aren't cleaning, they're not cooking, they're not doing laundry, they're not out in the yard, they're not shot. You know, the grievances go on and on. This doesn't mean that we um, can't be assertive. It doesn't mean that we're doormats or that we can't express our frustration or our disappointment, our concern. Um, doesn't mean that we can't ask for what we need or tell somebody to stop. And of course, if anyone is in danger, you definitely have to tell somebody to stop and get away. It doesn't mean you live with abuse. But what's underneath an assertive request? Is it love and kindness? Is it wanting um, the other person to be well? Or is it like this contempt and hatred? Is it a hardness? Is it closing your heart? Is it shutting somebody out and going cold, right? These are the ways we get lost and we cling to the grievances. And the grievances can be really petty. I don't like the way his beard looks, right? I don't like the sound of her voice. Um, you know, I just don't like the way that person closes the jar. It's too loose or too tight. When the grievance mind comes up, it can really infiltrate. Um, and I was, uh, the other day, I was um, writing notes on the back of this card, as Casey and I were talking about, I think, an all day or something, and I'm writing all these notes. Oh, yeah, remember to talk about this, remember? And then I turned the card over, and um, the quote on the card was, it will be given you to see your brother's worth or your sister's worth when all you want for the, them, I'll say them, is peace. And what you want for them, you will receive. So can we cling a little less to the grievance, you know, to our position, and still wish someone peace?
still wish someone well. It's challenging. I mean, some of you may have been quite challenged by, um, you know, people protesting that they don't want, um, they want more business, they don't want to wear a mask. You know, you may feel um, very angry and upset. Uh, and certainly there are many things to feel upset about. But the point of this is when we cling there, we obscure the radiance of the heart, the beauty of the heart. And the heart can be like a holding through the difficult time. Loving, kindness, compassion to self and others can be this beautiful holding environment. We say loving awareness. It's filled with appreciation, warmth, gratitude, um, presence for the sacredness of life, for the fact that we're breathing and we're here and we're alive right now, you know. Um, this beautiful presence, the clinging to the grievance is like the... Uh, that cloud, the dark cloud. It doesn't mean it's wrong or that you push it away. It's that you know it with awareness and you're working on the mind training to see if you can let it go and bring in the loving kindness and compassion. So I'll read a little bit here. Um, so loving awareness as a holding environment, as a kindness. The other thing that we do before I read is... Um, Wow, the time is going by. All right, get this out. So the other thing that I wanted to say about that is um, a lot of times we're looking for this um, unconditional love outside through relationship. We just wish that other person would hear us or see us or care for us deeply, or get us. And we skip over the beautiful, unconditional love that's filled with presence that comes from within, that's inherent to who we are as a human being. We skip it. We're looking too much out there, you know? And so we want to pull the energy back in here uh, to feel the beauty of the heart, which is all the Buddha practices teach. They bring us back to the beauty of the heart. So this is uh, from um, John Wellwood. Consider for a moment how all things in this universe are held by something larger. The earth is held in space, which is the all-encompassing environment that allows it to move and turn freely. DNA is held within cells, and cells are held within the larger tissues and organs of the body. Leaves are held by a tree. Trees are held by the earth, and growing children are held within a family environment. And we, too, are held. We're held by the air, by the water, the earth, and everyone who brings us this food, who takes out the garbage and... Uh, keeps the world flowing, we lose track when we're in a grievance of the fact that we are also held and that holding can feel like a river of love when we tap in this interbeing that Thich Nhat Hanh writes about so beautifully and teaches about. And he goes on, 
What type of holding is most essential for human beings? Imagine picking up a baby bird that has fallen from its nest. If you hold it too tightly, you crush it. If you hold it too loosely, it can fall to the ground. So you want to cradle it in your hands, but you also don't want to press too hard against it. These are the two essential aspects of holding, contact and space. Contact involves meeting, seeing, touching, attunement, connection, and care. And space is the capacity to give others and ourselves room to be ourselves, right, without smothering them. So, so this beautiful, loving presence as a holding environment where we can tap in to the felt sense of metta, loving kindness and compassion, as we've been teaching over and over again, is the holding that allows us not to get so stuck in our grievances into I like it, I don't like it, you said something I didn't like, I don't like the way you behave, whether it's an individual, a family member, a child, a group, a parent, a government, a politician, or people on the street. We can tap into that river and still hold them in peace, still hold them into compassion um, so that we're not lost in these uh, petty grievances. And John Wellwood says, um, the mood of unlove can take over. The mood of unlove. You could find yourself just caught in the frustration, the anger, the I don't want it to be that way, and I don't want this person to be that way. So we get stuck there, and um, we can't feel that support all around us. So there's one more thing I want to say and then we'll do the exercise maybe. Uh, yeah, read you some more. Because the grievance is not only outer, it's inner as well. George Orwell once wrote that the essence of being human lies not in seeking perfection but in being prepared in the end to be defeated and broken up by life, which is the inevitable price of fastening one's love upon other human individuals who are just as impossible as we are. This is the key. We're impossible. They're impossible. Right? I'm not okay. You're not okay. I'm lost in my head. You're lost in my head. I don't remember stuff and I space out and you don't remember stuff and you space out. You're feeling lazy and I'm feeling lazy. You're not motivated and I'm not motivated. You know, I'm self-involved and you're self-involved. Okay, I'll, I'll go on. Uh, Orwell is, of course, describing the poignant, bittersweet quality of relative love, this relative love. Human relationships often seem utterly impossible 
because they never seem to fit our ideals and expectations. Again and again, they force us to face heartbreak and defeat until finally the only alternative is to let ourselves be broken up so that we may remain more open and loving in the face of life as it is. Bringing absolute love into human form involves learning to hold the impossibility of ourselves and others in the way the sky holds the clouds, with gentle spaciousness and equanimity. The sky can do this because its openness is so much vaster than the clouds that it doesn't find them the least bit threatening. Holding our imperfections in this way allows us to see them as trail markers of the work in progress that we are, rather than impediments to love or happiness. And then we can say, yes, everyone has relative weakness that causes suffering, yet everyone also possesses absolute beauty, which far surpasses these limitations. Let us melt down the frozen, fearful places by holding them in the warmth of tenderness and mercy. It says, in his book, The Works of Love, uh, Kierkegaard points out that true love doesn't embrace others in spite of their flaws, as if rising above them. Rather, it finds the other lovable in spite of and together with his weaknesses and errors and imperfections. Uh, and the same holds true for loving ourselves. When you recognize the absolute beauty within you, you cannot be tarnished by your flaws. Then this beauty you are can begin to care for the beast you sometimes seem to be. Beauty's touch begins to soften the beast's gnarly defenses. And we are some gnarly defenses, aren't we? And this is why we turn to practice, to metta, to karuna, uh, to the equanimity practice. We turn so we can turn the mind and move towards that absolute love. I had a taste of this yesterday myself, um, and I'm not putting myself on any pedestal, believe you me. Um, I was outside in the garden in the afternoon working for a few hours, which has been wonderful, and um, a gift of sheltering in place is the garden. And um, Joel decided to take a bike ride. I think he's listening, but uh, yeah. And uh, he uh, locked up the house. Well, that's what you do when you leave. You lock the house. He forgot I was in the garden. And so I'm gardening away. I'm nice and exhausted. And now I want to eat and take a shower and sit around. And I go to open the door. And the house is totally locked. <laughs> and I'm locked out of my house. And uh, so... Uh, my first feeling was like just rage, you know, anger. How could he? And how could, you know, don't we treat each other like this all the time, right? What are they doing? You know, this kind of thing. And um, I'm going to tell him, you know, it just, that's what we do. You know, that heat of the moment. And uh, the mindfulness teaches us not to respond and react to the heat of the moment, but to really pause, step back, and become more skillful 
in our interactions. And we fail a lot of the time, but many times we don't. And that's the gift of a mindfulness practice. So I'm out there um, feeling my self-righteous anger about it. And um, I somehow it connects like, gee, it's a beautiful time to meditate and sit quietly. Uh, the light's changing. We're going into evening, that dusk period. And I uh, pulled a chair to a corner of the yard that I've never sat in before and got to sit under this little canopy of a tree looking out into the garden and just notice the light, the flowers, uh, the monarch butterfly, and um, the hummingbirds come so much closer now, and the butterflies, now that we're a quieter society, um, these little creatures come up closer. And I sat and meditated and really had a great time till he came back and opened the house. Um, but this, to me, was not like, oh, well, great, Wendy, you got over it. You know, no. This was like, oh, when I'm not holding and tightening around my grievances and my story and how, you know, right I am, and I let go into the holding of loving awareness, the holding space of loving awareness and the spaciousness, I suffer less. There's just less suffering. And then I have a chance to be more skillful with my loved ones. Um, so I wanted to um, bring in an exercise for us, a meditation. I think that is, we've done it before. And... Um, it's from uh, the Compassion material, Karuna, which I think would be helpful to practice together, be reminded of today um, <clears throat> for a few moments, which is giving and receiving compassion. Because, uh, look, if you're a mom at home with little kids 24-7 or doing a job with kids, or you're just home all the time, uh, or you're trying to run a business and be home all the time, or whatever your situation is, or a lot of people are working from home looking at screens all day and they don't, their brains aren't ready for it yet, their brains are still adjusting, or you're teaching from a screen. Whatever it is, we need a lot of compassion and kindness right now. We need to receive it and we need to give it. And true compassion, True love has a giving and receiving quality. So I'm going to guide you for uh, the giving and receiving of compassion. So finding a comfortable posture. And if you like, um, you can close your eyes or do a soft gaze. You can place your hand over your heart, one or two hands or not. And if you are putting your hand on your heart, um, just start with feeling that gentle touch of your hand, the warmth of your hand. And it's a reminder that we're not just bringing awareness to this moment, but a loving awareness to ourselves, an awareness that cares, that's kind and soft. It's an awareness that has holding and nurturance. And taking a few deep breaths 
a few deep relaxing breaths. Noticing that as you breathe in, this breath nourishes your body. And as you breathe out, the breath can soothe your body. So breathing in nourishment and breathing out soothing and calm. Allowing your breath to find its own natural rhythm. Just feeling the natural rhythm of the in and the out breath. Breathing in, the body is nourished. And breathing out, the body is soothed. And as you focus on the in-breath, give yourself something good, some kindness or compassion. You just breathe in and say the word peaceful or loved. or kindness, strength. And you could even use a phrase like held in loving presence, held in loving kindness. Or may I feel loved. On each in-breath, Give yourself some good stuff, some love, loving kindness through word, through phrase, through feeling. You could surround yourself in light. Breathing in something good for yourself. And breathing out, feeling ease and relaxation. Breathing in, something good and nurturing. And breathing out, peace, relaxation. And calling to mind someone you love or someone who is struggling and needs compassion, caring, 
visualize this person in your mind's eye or just holding the felt sense of this person. And directing your out-breath to this person. Offering this person the ease of breathing out as you send them something good. As you breathe out, you can wish them happiness, peace, ease or strength. Sending them extra warmth and kindness. With each exhalation, sending them something good. In for yourself. Out for the other. Breathing in something good for yourself and nurturing. And exhaling something good for the other. You can even use these words, in for me and out for you. Breathing in for me and out for you. One for me and one for you. Savoring the blessing of breathing. Feeling the nourishment of the in-breath. And giving yourself something good on that in-breath. And on the out-breath, something good for the other person. in for me and out for you. And if you wish, you could focus on yourself a little bit more. You can titrate this a few breaths only for you. May I feel unconditional love. May I be at peace in changing conditions. May I be safe. And take some time just with yourself.
feeling your in-breath and let every in-breath be for you. And if you like, on your out-breath, you can bring in others, maybe other people you care for, a group, all beings, and continuing with this sweet rhythm, in for me and out for you. You could even devote a, two, a few breaths for the other or for all beings, a group in need, titrating moment by moment, giving and receiving, and finding the balance, the fit for you. May I be safe. May you be safe. May I be free. May you be free. May I be loved and cared for. May you be loved and cared for. Allowing the flow of the breath, like a gentle movement of the sea. Loving kindness flowing in and out. Compassion flowing in and out. Giving and receiving in this sea of kindness. Letting yourself be part of this limitless flow. Breathing in for ourselves and out for others. Breathing in compassion. Breathing out compassion. I too, like a wave in the sea, each breath giving the love to make the world go round.
so in Buddhism and mindfulness practice we train in the movement towards that boundless heart away from the conditional towards the unconditional moment by moment expecting that we'll fail quite a bit as part of the practice as part of being human you have just listened to a recording from insight la in long beach for more information please visit us at insightla.org